Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by legendary trainer and Hall of Fame broadcaster, the great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how are you? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm with you. I'm doing good. And uh, you always make me feel better. You, <laughs> you always build me up with a lot of this uh, BS. That's not BS. You're going into the Hall of Fame in four weeks as a broadcaster. I would argue that it should probably be as a trainer, considering you've trained three heavyweight world champions and multiple other weight class world champions, maybe as many as 18, but who's counting? Um, I don't think it's that many. Close. Oh. <laughs> well, congratulations. No, I, I quite an honor. Guys. And uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it very much. I appreciate I appreciate the opportunity to share a happy moment with my family. Yeah. To, to say thank you to them. Uh, that's, that's, that's impressive, man. It's a recognition of a whole career in the sport, and um, we couldn't be happier for you. Rob and I are both excited to um, be there and thank you. watch you go in. That means a lot to me. I, thank you. You know what? It really, it's more, the greatest joy you get is what it brings to others, you know? Yeah. You know, those people that made up those sayings, they were pretty smart. <laughs> you know, sometimes it is better to to give than to receive, that you get more out of giving something. And, you know, I'm getting something here, but it's given a happiness to people around me and it's given a moment, another moment, to share with my family for them to be happy and for me to uh, be able to say thank you for letting me do the things I did, you know, and being yeah. behind me. And without your friends and without your family, what's what's the meaning of it? Yeah. It wouldn't really have any real true value. Yeah. Right? The value is that it makes other people happy too. Yeah. That's the value. For sure. So well, thank just, you. Um, Appreciate that. No, it's of course well deserved. Uh, which is it's interesting because two weeks ago, I think roughly two weeks ago was the twenty fifth anniversary of um I, th I think it was it your first world title that you won with Michael Moore. Yeah. Was that the that was um, you cover that extensively in your book, and we're go we're gonna we're gonna have a whole episode of that in uh, regarding that fight in the coming weeks and your experience with Michael. But I think people will really enjoy hearing the backstory about that experience in camp, the fight, the subsequent camps. It's um it's incredibly entertaining if you don't know the story you'll want to tune in for that one but what i'd like to do today teddy is cover some of the upcoming big fights there's uh we got a busy few weeks coming up especially in the um heavyweight division but before we get into the um heavyweight previews i want to just get your thoughts on the um triple g news for those who don't know he recently signed a big deal with uh the zone the streaming service that canelo's with um and subsequently um Subsequent to that announcement, shocking and uh, shocking to me that he split with longtime trainer Abel Sanchez, and I'm dying to hear your thoughts on this because it, I, I, I don't know. On the surface, it seems to me short-sighted that you've worked with your whole career or the, the the bulk of your career with one trainer. You get this big payday, and it's like, hey, you're gonna take a is what I this is what I think happened. Who knows what the actual details are? But Abel has alluded to this, basically. Here's your reduced rate. It's still huge money, but it's not, let's say, your typical 10%, which I think is what a trainer gets. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on it in terms of the decision-making, the economics of it, and how you would have handled a similar situation. Well, if I thought that I was 
not getting what I deserved or what I had been getting prior to that, the agreement prior to that, I'd leave. Yeah. I would leave. Nobody would have to tell me to go anywhere. If there was even a, a hint of the guy, you know, whether it's being grateful anymore or being appreciative anymore or feeling there's a need for me anymore, I'd be gone. I mean, you got to live with yourself before you live with a paycheck. So, uh, you know, I my listen, I'm not there. I don't know. They know. And there's always, you know, a couple sides to a story. But I, I know that it sounds like the money was an excuse for Triple G not to be with him anymore because it's, he's got plenty of money. He's, maybe, he's getting a big deal here. He's, he's paid him in the past. He made some big money fights uh, recently with Canelo where there was pretty big money on the table and there was no problem. And now all of a sudden there's a problem. I know it was a big money deal with, with DAZN and all that stuff. But for me, uh, what really changed is that he doesn't want to be with the fighter. He doesn't want to be with the trainer anymore. I mean, sometimes you use money as an excuse. If, if a guy doesn't want to fight a certain fight, I know in the old days they would ask for money. It's the same thing in, in the business world out there, right? Yep. In, in your world. If, if somebody wants to act like they're in the market to do a deal and they want to act like they care about being competitive in that market or about being interested in that situation, they but they really not. They might ask for an exorbitant amount of money that they know exactly. is not realistic. Yeah. And they know that that's the end of it, right? Mm -hmm. That's going to shut the door down. So it happens in everything. It happens in our business where, you know, sometimes the guy really doesn't want to fight, but he doesn't want the public to know he doesn't want to fight. So he asks for money that he knows is going to get a no. Mm. It just sounds to me, again, I'm not there. I don't know. But you're asking me for my opinion. That's what this show is, right? It's a show on opinions. And, and a show on people that give opinions that aren't afraid of going out on a branch a little bit, uh, out on a limb a little bit, and um, saying things that not everybody is going to find favorable mm. or not everybody is going to like. And uh, maybe it's going to diminish the amount of Christmas cards I get next year. It definitely is. <laughs> definitely is. But that's all right. It's okay. Because, you know, I don't even put the Christmas cards up. Oh, don't uh, let my wife hear that. No, no, I, I, my wife puts them up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Saved by the bell. <laughs> but uh, so my feeling, you know, we all have instincts and we have experience and we have judgments. And my experience, my judgment, my instinct would tell me that it's just an excuse for the fighter not to be with the trainer no more, that he doesn't want to be with him no more. Maybe it does, for whatever reason, it is maybe because of the last fight, maybe before that, maybe something in camp, whatever. I mean, there's always been, uh, there's always been whispers out there or thoughts out there or stuff out there that Abel Sanchez overtrained guys, mm -hmm. that, he, that he overtrained Golovkin for some of those fights. Um, I don't know. I know sometimes Golovkin looked like Carter Vasco-wise, he was in good shape, but he didn't look strong. Yeah. He didn't look like he had that physical strength. That's a sign of being overtrained. Again, I'm, I'm not there, I'm not in the camp, but I am a guy who's been in this business 40 years, and I am a guy that can put an opinion out there because I'm not afraid to put it out there because I can attach it to judgments uh, from experiences that I have. Uh, and so is that a possibility? Is there, there a, po I, a possibility that, that's in the mix. Um, yeah. I, but at the end of the day, uh, it's the fighter is the uh, employer. The trainer is the employee. 
and the employer uh, decided that he really, you, again, you could you could say it was about money, but if he wanted Abel Sanchez to be his trainer, he'd still be his trainer. Hundred percent. I don't know why. If it was a, if it was about if if it was because he wanted to change, why not just say that? Because I think it sounds petty to say it was about money. It sounds it sounds um, selfish. I would just. Come well, he didn't be, say it was about money. Uh, Triple G didn't say it. Yeah. Uh, Sanchez said it. Uh, Triple okay. G never said it was about money. Uh, he never confirmed that. Uh, yeah. I Matter of fact, right. if you if you if you really look I, at both sides, and now you've already you heard Sanchez's side, but if you listen to Golovkin. When they interviewed him during the Canelo fight, that's right. right. Was, yeah. He said, "I want to make a change. I want new things." Yes. I want, no, you're you know, right. He he was touching on stuff a little bit, like I want to, I, I want to learn new things. Now a lot of people say, "How's an old dog going to learn new tricks?" He's 37 years old, 36, whatever he is. Um, but I will. You can always learn. Yeah. If you're willing to, if you're willing to, you can always learn. Um, I thought you know, Canelo looked completely different in fight number two than he did in fight number one. I mean, look at Captain Kirk in uh, in, <laughs> in Star Trek. He, uh, he was always looking for new universes yeah. to conquer. You know, new places out there. Yeah. New solar systems. You know, uh, searching for the unknown. Uh, and Captain Kirk was around a long time searching, you know. so um, And he saw a lot of solar systems. So... You can always learn, and I will say this, since we're on this subject and we're staying on it for a minute. I thought one of the differences in Canelo and Golovkin, again, I thought Golovkin won those two fights, the first one and the second one even, even though a lot of people thought the second one was closer. But I thought that, and I said this, so I'm not saying nothing new. I said it is probably why I don't get a Christmas card from people like Sanchez, because I'm going to say things that I believe, you know, I'm not trying to hurt no one. But at the same time, I have a responsibility if I get behind this thing over here to say what I believe to be the truth. Uh, otherwise, what's the sense? And sometimes not everyone's going to agree. And it's not always going to fall into their lap of something that is uh, comfortable. I thought Canelo was continuing to improve. I knew he was younger. I get it. But I also thought that Canelo was getting better. And I never saw for the last five years, I'm just using a number because I think it feels like about five. Could have even been six. Maybe it was four. I don't know. But for the last several years, I didn't feel that Golovkin was getting any better. Mm -hmm. I thought he was stagnant. I thought he was the same. Yeah, I've he heard you say a, that on ESPN. He was just, yeah, I mean, I'm consistent. He was just a big middleweight that was strong and he was big. And listen, I thought he was a little overrated. And I, I like Golovkin a lot. Mm -hmm. But I thought he was overrated uh, in a way. And I remember Sanchez. Sanchez. I, and I don't listen to the internet unless somebody delivers it like on my front porch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And Believe me, I know. But, you know, I guess he didn't like that. But why would you get mad because someone's saying a guy? I, people say that about my guys. I don't get mad. It's, it's their opinion. So he felt he had to come back, and he said, he said, well, and I did see that one because someone showed it to me. I guess ESPN thought that he was overrated <laughs> because I wasn't at ringside no more. Like, like just to be mean. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Just to be a lot of meanies out there. A lot of meanies out there. And you know what? I ain't the nicest guy all the time. But I never felt 
provoked to do that. I never felt I never felt enticed or driven to do that to someone if they said something like that. I, I never felt that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make me a better person than, than Sanchez, but I never felt that. I just felt like, hey, you know what? Life in the fast lane, that kind of thing. Life in the Big Apple. You know, if you're out there, you're out there. People want to say things, they can say things. Well, there's a difference like, between some criticism I mean, and like a personal th- attack. Yeah, but but it's okay. But the bottom line was, I said this way before that stuff, and I just felt that Golovkin, his success, he was a silver medalist. He had 300 some amateur fights. He knew how to fight. He he knew the process. He knew you know the approach of fighting. Obviously, he had the confidence that you need to be successful at any level of anything in any craft. Um, and he physically was strong. He was a big middleweight. Um, he was aggressive. He could bang. I thought he was overrated as a banger. Mm-hmm. I thought he could bang, but yeah. I thought he was overrated. You know, he, he he wasn't that kind of guy. He hit you on top of the head, and your ankles fractured. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he, you know, he was a big, strong guy. And I thought part of his success was that he was knocking out junior middleweights that were European junior middleweights that had already lost at the next level, yeah. were already 35, 36 years old, past their heyday, and were diminished, but never at that next level anyway. Yeah. And he, he, he built a lot of his resume on knocking those guys out mm-hmm. on HBO and getting paid pretty good for it. So and, and, and getting, obviously, in front of a lot of eyeballs where people were familiar with him more than they would be with somebody else who might be okay. And so I thought... Hey, there it is. You know, I thought that was part of it. Was, was he still a guy that got rid of those guys? Yeah. Was he still a guy that you had to deal with? Yeah. Was he still a guy that was at the top of the heap uh, of who was there at the time? Yes. Yeah, he was. Um, and and I thought that when he finally fought a full middleweight back when he fought Jacobs, uh, that he got exposed a little bit, that when he got in there with a full middleweight, he struggled a little more than he we had been accustomed to seeing him struggle. Oh, for sure. I was shocked by that fight. You know, but I, I just, uh, I feel that, you know, whoever's going to train a guy that is, is older, there's a couple things you better be aware of. It's an older car, and you can't take it on the highway 100 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, you, you gotta take it on the back roads. Mm-hmm. And and you gotta when you go 100 miles an hour, it better be just in spots. Mm-hmm. It better be the right spot. Yeah. But before that, you better make sure you change the oil and you check the tire pressure. And and you you're only going 40 when you only have to go 40. And you, you don't want to push an old car too much. You don't want to overdo it. And maybe mm-hmm. that's part of how Golovkin instinctually felt, innately felt about where he was, that he felt maybe this guy Sanchez pushes him too fast, mm. too much, yeah. too hard, the overtraining stuff, maybe. Yeah. And if he did, maybe he felt like that was part of the reason he wanted to get away from that, maybe. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how he does with Jonathan uh, Banks, who was a um, Emmanuel Stewart disciple and um, veteran of the Cronk Gym, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, he was yeah. – the reason why – he became Klitschko's trainer. He was Klitschko's trainer at the end. Was when the great Emmanuel Stewart passed away, unfortunately, too young. He stepped in as you know, being that he was Emmanuel's assistant. Yeah. He stepped in as the trainer for Klitschko, and I think that's why he's probably there as the trainer for Golovkin. To be quite frank, yeah. frankly, but yeah, because because Klitschko was the promoter 
Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? The, yeah K2 that. Promotions yeah. is the Klitschko the, brothers. They, they were the were, promoters all those years of Golovkin, right? And and so I think that influence, you know, he was probably, they probably said, hey, look, why don't you go with Jonathan Banks? Yeah. And he probably trusts them. He has a relationship with them. He's been with them, as I just said, they were his promoter for all those years. So I'm sure that had something. I'm, I'm sure that had something. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I was up at the New York Athletic Club one day, um, maybe about 10 or 15 years ago, just working out in the boxing gym, and they came in, Jonathan Banks and um, Klitschko, and Andy Lee was his sparring partner, who I think was a middleweight, big Irish kid. Tall. Tall yeah, super tough kid. But watching, right the, yeah, watching those guys fight. Chin sometimes was faulty, but yeah. but, but plenty of hard. He, he, he got there. You know, it was a tough road, but he got there. Yeah, standing in, standing right next to the ring and watching these guys. First of all, Klitschko is, is gigantic, and, and Andy Lee is a pretty tall guy, but, I mean, he looked – Tiny compared to Klitschko, but watching them bang in a sparring session, it was just newfound respect for the for the profession of being a boxer. Going to now, work, was he, he wasn't boxing with Lee, was he? Yeah, Lee was sparring with Klitschko. Yeah, well, that's that's Lee weird. was holding his own and throwing big shots. That's where you can get hurt in the gym. Yo. See, that's where a lot of guys. I mean, you're talking about one of the best punching heavyweights fighting a middleweight. Yeah, or sparring a middleweight. Now I know you got bigger gloves than headgear, but still, yeah, those punches they. They, they, they do damage. Oh, I, I, they were throwing, and too. That's where people don't see when they see a fighter get hurt or when they see a fighter, you know, get to a place where he doesn't have anything left. They just go by the fights. No, it's yep. sparring, too. Exactly. What's going on in sparring? Yep. No, that's exactly right. Well, we're going to get a chance to see what um, – what Triple G and uh, Jonathan Banks can do together. But unfortunately, I think we're going to have to wait because I can't imagine this June 8th and fight. And Banks was a good fighter. Yeah. I can't imagine that this June 8th fight is going to be very competitive with no disrespect to Steve Rolls, the Canadian who's coming down. And Steve Rolls is a um, – I mean, he hasn't been he hasn't been boxing. You don't have to say you don't think it's going to be competitive. Ken, you could go out there on that limb we talk about and just say it's not going to be competitive. I think you're probably going to be safe. Well, to quote the great Bert Sugar and your co-author – Steve Rolls Steve Rolls isn't even a household name in his own house. So this one <laughs> Thanks Bert for letting them use that. <laughs> He's always here with us. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I don't know that that's going to be much of a test, but it looks like the um, he's MO. He's got 19 fights rolls and he's 35 years old, so he hasn't been too active and uh, hasn't fought anybody. And look, let's face it, that the DACN is doing the same thing they did with Canelo's first fight when they gave him the people. Big payday there. Exactly. They're, they're giving them away up. They're giving them a freebie. It's kind of like a Tyson Fury. Yeah, you know, getting the I mean, same thing. The same thing. I mean, seems like the mo you know, over there. Yeah, I mean, uh, welcome like, to the team. Here's it's like opening a, up a restaurant, you get a free glass of wine. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is an appetizer, free appetizer. But you're not getting the appetizer. I'm not getting the appetizer. Golovkin's getting. Yeah, it, he's know? getting the money and the appetizer. Yeah. But um, and assuming he handles his business there, it looks like another big payday with him and um. Him and um, Canelo, although I guess Maybe. if they're on these fixed contracts, I, I don't know if that allows for upside. Um, but that'll be interesting. I don't want to spend too much time on that with some of these. I think it's going to be a right hand that's going to knock out uh, uh, Rolls. Why? Because a little bit of tape I've seen on him, he's got a habit 
of laying his head over on the right instead of finishing on the left. Just so, you know, for the people out there watching, and some of you know this already, and some of you don't, so I'll say it. You want to finish on the left. See see your right hand? I want to be outside the right hand. Where mm-hmm. you can. If I was closer, you, you could illustrate it better. But I want to be on the outside of it. If I'm over here, I'm in the alleyway, the path to the right yeah. hand, and I could get caught with it. And Rose has a habit of finishing on his right side where he's in the alleyway of the right hand. And because he's in the alleyway, I think uh, he's going to get mugged in that alleyway uh, with a right hand, courtesy of Mr. Golovkin. I have a feeling he's going to get mugged with a right hand if Golovkin left his left hand at home. All right. <laughs> so we'll Got see. Got a burnt sugar one? <laughs> That's a Ken Rideout original. Yeah. Just please uh, give me a footnote if you uh, want to use any of my material. Um but we've got a couple big heavyweight fights coming up on the 18th of May. We've got Deontay Wilder and Dominic Brazil. Just a little bit of uh, background on Brazil. He was 2012 U.S. Olympian. I was he, there in those Olympics uh, quarters. Oh, right? yeah, I know. He, he lost his first fight. Yeah, he lost in the prelims to Russian. Um, interesting fact that he played quarterback at Northern Colorado on the football team and uh, didn't start boxing until the age of 23. And uh, there seems to be some bad blood between these two. I think they had a little scrap at a hotel after uh, either Brazil's fight or, or I think I think Brazil was fighting on a Deontay Wilder undercard. And um, at the hotel afterwards, Brazil got assaulted, I guess, by Wilder's brother. At least that's his uh, that that's his um, allegation. So this is definitely some bad blood between those two. But um I don't know. Wilder is a huge favorite at right now minus 650 plus 425 on Brazil. So I don't know that this one's going to tell us much other than if assuming Wilder gets him out of there in a hurry. But you have any thoughts on this fight? Yeah, I mean, Brazil, you just touched on it. Former football player. He started boxing late uh, college. He didn't he didn't, wasn't able to make the grade to the next point. Quarterback, too. You don't yeah. imagine a quarterback yeah. being a heavyweight fighter. No, I mean... He might feel like he's being sacked again. <laughs> uh, he might, he might, he might uh, feel like he's got a bad offensive line uh, in front of him when when that right hand comes crashing home, which he usually does at some point in a wilder fight. But Brazil's already lost. You know what I mean? The, yeah. uh, to me, the horse is out of the barn already. Yeah, he's been knocked out. You Anthony know, Joshua. Yeah, he had time. It was in 2016, I believe. So he's had time to mature since yeah. then. I get it. But he's he's been knocked out already, so um, you would expect him to get knocked out again. But but Joshua's much more polished than Wilder. Yeah, you know Wilder's a better sure. puncher than Joshua for one punch. Uh, not even on both sides, but but for the right hand, he's he really is. But he he doesn't have as good a delivery system as Joshua. You know, Joshua is is much more polished, much you know, just much better technique, much more finesseful. So, but. Again, you got to fight somebody, and you know, back in the, it's kind of like back in the days of Tyson. You knew nobody was going to be competitive, but you had to, you had to put them out there. You had, you had to have a assembly line of heavyweight victims yeah. or heavyweight opponents or whatever you want to call them. But the good thing about for the business, especially if you were heavyweight, is it suddenly made the business of being an opponent very profitable. Oh yeah, you all get paid more. You all get paid, especially if you're fighting Joshua. Yeah. If you're fighting somebody that can fight over in London, put 90,000 people into a stadium, guess what? You can be a marginal guy and you can get $5 million or maybe $7 million. Wow. Not, not only that, though. Just look on – I was looking at StubHub just out of curiosity for the tickets for the um, prices of the tickets for Wilder versus Joshua. 
I would say now Joshua's fighting it at Madison Square Garden, but he's fighting Andy Ruiz, which we'll get on into in a minute. That's probably a lot less competitive than the Wilder fight, but the tickets are probably three to one more expensive to go see Joshua at MSG. I'm I'm pretty surprised by that. That Wilder, the American fight, and another American in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. I wouldn't expect it to be that big of a swing in the price difference to the fight, especially considering who Joshua is fighting. Yeah, but people make their choice of who they believe to be the heavyweight champ. Yeah, well, and they've made their choice that they feel it's Joshua. Exactly. You know. Yep. Uh, not. Not the uh, bronze bomber from Alabama. Yeah, you know the bronze bomber because he won a bronze medal in mm-hmm. two thousand and uh, was it two thousand twelve or was it the one before that? Uh, I I did those Olympics, but uh, was it? I think it might have been two thousand eight. I forget which one it was, but you know he he won a bronze medal, and and he's not as complete a fighter. I mean Joshua Joshua looks more like the heavyweight champ. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, he, he's more polished. I used that word earlier. Uh, and he, he's just more of complete, you know, yeah. more of the complete package. And, again, he's uh, he, he can put a lot of fannies in the seats. Yeah. So, and and he's he's recognized, you know, it's all about what the people recognize. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the people recognize him as the guy. Yeah, it was 08 for Wilder. Um but that brings me to the Joshua fight, and and before we get into his opponent Andy Ruiz, not that there's that much to discuss there, but I want to get into, um, I want to talk about Jarrell Big Baby Miller, who to me looks like a big dummy. I mean, this, I, I it defies all logic and rationale, other than y- you'd have to be scared and or self sabotaging to do what he did. He failed a drug test. He failed three drug tests. He basically tested positive for every single performance enhancer that I've ever even heard of. He tested positive for EPO, human growth hormones, steroids. He's in a drug testing protocol. He knows they're coming every week to test him. What? Uh, I, I'm at a loss. This guy, I think he was going to get $5 million. His trainer's going to get 500000 Everyone around him is going to get mean, paid. You going to be going into MTI soon? Oh. Oh, if you're MIT, scared, I'm just... I'm MIT, I, how dumb am I? I go to MIT. I'm not going to MIT either. Why MIT? Either one. Oh, okay? If you're scared, don't what? take the fight. Why would you do this? Not to mention, I was talking to a friend of the show, Andrew Cancio, about this the other day in California, and he was saying that a lot of times with these championship fights, if you do something like this to sabotage the fight, fail a drug test, do something crazy, and the fight gets canceled, you're on the hook for all the promotional Should expenses. Be. Shouldn't you be? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, hey, if, if people knew out there that if they're going to kill someone or rape somebody, right? Yep. Just horrible, horrible, horrible crimes against all of us in society. They don't belong out there. If you're going to do that and you're definitely going to be caught, you're definitely going to be prosecuted, and you're definitely going to get to chair. Do you think it would limit some of those crimes? Do you? Do you? Yes or no? Yeah. I think it would, right? Yeah. So if if people knew that they were going to be caught in this business, that they were going, people were going to find them, they were going to test, and they were going to make sure they caught them, and that they were going to be properly punished and held accountable and not be able to fight anymore, lose their license, whatever the punishment should be, it would stop them from doing it. This is rampant in, in my business. Right, I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I think it's much bigger than most people would even imagine. It too. is. 
I, I, I listen without getting into names. Just look at some of the heavyweights over the recent years. You think some of them were using up just because they didn't get caught, you know? And not just heavyweights. We already know, even going back, that guys like Vargas and, I mean, that, that you know, that there was all kinds of guys. Canelo got caught. There was all kinds of, unless you believe, that the meat, you know what I mean? Cut the uh, all shit. I got, I got one word for that. Kobe. Kobe <laughs> beef. All right, brother? Yeah. <laughs> okay, you're making that kind of money? Buy Kobe beef. Yeah. It, it won't be tainted. Okay, so all I'm saying is that I think it's rampant. I think it's out there. Uh, I think these are just, you know, like you said, you just described it pretty well. You know, how dumb uh, you could be. But he has scared, to be but, scared. But how scared? Just no, don't no, take the fight. No, no, no. But how, because he still wants the money, but how scared? You know, we, we talked about this on another episode that for me, it's about facing what you got to face. But you got to face it alone. Yeah. And and we're all scared. Join the human race. Mm -hmm. brother. All scared. It was put there for a reason. That we all need to have it. To get us ready for situations. To live. To survive. To exist. But it's up to us. Our character. Our development as human beings. To be able to make choices. To make choices. And to be aware of it. And to control it. And to make the right decisions. And you know... You got a fighter. He's got to get in the ring. That's a tough place. Tough way to make a living. And he's scared. And he's looking for help. And I'm saying the good ones, the great ones, the special ones, they feel the same way. I'll say it again. They feel the same way. What they do is different. They're going to do it on their own. They're going to, they're, going to, they're scared. They're going to, and, and so they work harder. They, whatever they got to do. But they, they're going to find a way. But they're going to find a way in their own. They're not going to go to steroids. You know, they're, they're, they're not going to go to intimidation of, of trying to scare someone to death like Tyson used to do and hoping that half of that person would only show up in the ring so their job would be easier so they wouldn't have to face it themselves. No, the good ones, the special ones, in anything, in anything, in a courtroom, as a doctor, as a teacher, they got to face a court, uh, a, a room full of kids that they're scared too. Well, you think they're not scared? There's a lot of phases of being scared. It's a physical scare. There's an emotional scare. It's all, it's, it's all heavy. It's all something. It all affects you. It's all felt. And But those people are able to say, no, I'm going to face what I got to face. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to be scared, but I'm going to believe in myself, and I'm going to find a way to get it done. And, and then you get the people that say, no, I feel it, feel the same way as the other people, feel the same way, no more, no less, but I'm not going to do it myself. I'm going to look for help to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to cheat to do it. Yeah. And those people, you know, at the end of the day, as big as they might get, they're weak. You know, as strong as they might get, they're weak. You could tell at the press conference that he was scared. He was talking crazy. But I, I mean, think the people around him should and... be punished. Oh, absolutely. See, I mean, He's not kidding? going out like, to a pharmacy like, and like, buying that. The trainers don't know? That's what I mean. The management you, don't you're know? You're not going to walk into a pharmacy Anyone, and order up performance enhancers. And we should. See, baseball, what did they do? But no one cares about boxing enough. See, that, that's what pisses me off. And you want to go where you got to go with it and start thinking, what does that mean, Teddy? They don't care about those people in boxing. Who are those people? So you're saying they don't care about them as much as they care about the people in baseball? And I'm going to say it again. Yeah, they don't. They, they don't. 
because the president of the United States was ready to get involved when there was a strike in baseball, when there was problems in baseball. Everybody was ready to get involved. Everybody was ready to chip in. Everybody was ready to help that sport. How come they're not ready to help over here? How come they don't care about the people in, in this sport? In, in baseball, it had to be removed. It was wrong uh, to have people on steroids. But at the end of the day, what did it mean? That they were going to beat the crap out of a ball a little bit more? Instead of hitting it 300 feet, they were going to hit it 500 feet? Uh, it's wrong, but it's a ball that's getting hit. In my sport, now it means you're going to punch somebody in the head harder. You're going to move their brain from one side of the skull to the other side of the skull faster. That's what it means. Nobody cares about that. I don't know. Where were those people? Where are the Congress people? Really? All, all those damn people that came out so outraged, so righteous. They're coming out. Well, we can't have this in baseball. Can't have it. Oh, we got to fix it. Yeah. Uh, come out in boxing and do that. And, and hold everyone accountable. Get real rules. Get real testing done. Get, people say, well, where's the money for the testing? Fair, legitimate question. Uh, the promoter, whoever puts on yeah, the event should be responsible. They hire the ref. Make exactly. sure the athletes and, are and clean. Listen, we have mega events in this sport, in my business, in boxing, our business in boxing. We have major events a few times a year. Take, take a point from those major events and put it into a pool to use for such things. Are you kidding me? Take two points. Take take a point or two, take a percentage point or two from those huge mega events with these fat belly uh, promoters. Well, some of them are in good shape. They're vegetarians. They run. They do roll. <laughs> but they're still fat. They're still fat in other ways. Okay, hey, take take a take some money from those big events and put it into a pool to use for such things. And then if you want to go further down the road, we won't today. But then then you you also you also figure out something where there will be a, a system put together uh, for fighters where a, a retirement fund, uh, a uh, what's the word? A pension. A pension. Put together. All the other sports have a pension. You can't take a point. Again, I know it's tough. I know you got to figure out the formula. Well, how many fights do they have to have to be eligible for the pension? How many pro it's fights? It's not that many? tough. Just I, have a formula. Well, you, at at 50 I, fights, you're you maxed could, out. You, at 25, you, you're you're halfway figure it out. Yeah. You're figuring it out. And I know it, it, how much money you made, how much you generated. I, I get it. But it could be figured out. It was figured out in all the other businesses. It was figured out in all the other sports. How come it's not figured out in this sport? And again, where's the money come from, Ted? You know, yeah, you, got, you make these from all, put their feet to the is the ticket price a dollar? No, no, don't even do that. It's, it's high enough. Take a point, take two points from all the mega events that go on in this country. These huge, uh, the, the Mayweather Pacquiao fight, that generated what, close to a billion dollars? Yeah. I say it again, Crazy. not a million, close to a billion. That one fighter made what, close to 300 million? One fighter made 120 million? Yeah. Okay, take two points, one point of that money, put into a pool, all these other mega fights that are going on and use it for a pension. Use it, use it to make sure that there's no steroid use where a fighter who's already in a dangerous place, who's already in a ring where he could get hurt, is not getting sledgehammered in the head by somebody that's got anabolic steroids in their freaking veins. Okay? Yep. So, so just like you guys out there, the congressmen, all you freaking phony politicians, and not all of you are phony. Some of them are really good people, but too many years are full of crap. Do something. Really care about our people. Care about these people. Care about this sport. 
You care about a baseball getting beaten up? Care about a freaking human skull getting beaten up? And do so. And and again, when you when you come out with the testing, when you come out with making sure that the things are in place uh, to to get rid of this problem, and uh, which I think is probably an epidemic more than people think in this sport, when you do it. Hold everyone accountable. Hold the trainers. Hold the managers. Hold everyone. Get rid of their licenses. Stop them from making this a living. Is, in that's the what I was going to tell you. Is like they should tell Jarrell Miller, you're getting a lifetime suspension or two years. But wh- where did you get the drugs? You don't want to tell us. Then you t- go talk to your people. Tell them someone's coming forward to say where you got them. You didn't go to a pharmacy and order them up. If, if that was the case, if you made rules like that, you just said, and I said it earlier, then you'd get rid of it. Yeah. You get rid of tell, You tell me who gave you those or you're out forever because we know – he already admitted that he took him. It, it, there's no – I mean, I mean, Canelo still maintains his meat thing. But come on, man. These guys with – if you get caught, you get caught. And you it's look like, at Miller's body. You, he doesn't look exactly <laughs> like Arnold, you know, right? I mean, I, before several I would have tried giving up Twinkies. Not you to know, mention those – Just try it for like a – Two weeks. Dude, not to mention those drugs are incredibly dangerous. People just think that you get all oh, these imp- there's, there's, imp- performance there's enhancements. There's a price to pay. Down yeah. Away. Like if you're that heavy and taking a drug like EPO, which is known to thicken your blood, raise your red blood, red blood cell count, it can turn your cyclists back in the 80s when they were first experimenting with this drug Armstrong, died. Armstrong, those yeah, but these there were cyclists that died from taking too much because if you take enough, it will turn your blood thick like uh, viscous, almost like an oil. And. And, um, you know, you get a guy like Miller who doesn't look like he eats the cleanest diet and now he's adding testosterone or whatever steroid he was on, EPO, human growth hormone. That's just – I don't know. That that one has me confounded. If someone tells you they're coming to your house to test you for anything, you think you would be prepared. Not just like, oh, those tests are full of crap. They don't, they're not really going to test me. And – to your point, we touched on um, the UFC in the past and about how, at least in the UFC, the fights get made. They have a dictator, but in some cases that can be good. They have their own um, uh, performance-enhancing testing system with Jeff Nowitzki, former former head of – I think former head of USADA. Or, good for them. And um, they recently caught um, a guy that you and I met at the NASCAR event out in California, TJ Dillashaw, who I think was the lightweight champ at the time. They had been testing for different performance enhancers, but they weren't testing for EPO, the red blood cell um, uh, drug that would increase red blood cell count and therefore increase endurance. And they hadn't been testing for that because it's an expensive test. And apparently it was well known that he took this and he had been at other fight camps with guys who knew and they – basically said test this guy for EPO they came and hit him with a out of competition test or whenever it was and they caught him for EPO stripped him and gave him a two-year suspension but if you catch someone and you you have them dead to rights and they acknowledge that they're cheating I don't understand why it's not a lifetime ban in a combat sport where like you said you're going to get in there and try and assault somebody and do it with an unfair advantage that should be game over for you I agree but to do those to enact these these rules these laws, this punishment, which is all right, you have to have an organization, a system in place to do it. You have to have, you know, a national body, a commission, a czar. You know, the NBA has a national commission. Of course, the NFL does, MLB does, NHL does, you know, tennis does. I mean, but boxing doesn't. You have these local state commissions. Some of them are useless. Yeah, It's a joke. I mean, they're connected with the promoters. They're, 
they're dependent on the promoters in many cases uh, to to keep their commission active, to put fights on. Yeah, you know, so they're friends with them. There's relationships there. There's there's a closeness that should not be allowed to exist. Yeah. So it's never going to happen in boxing. I guess is what I'm going to say, unfortunately. Um, or well, it's going to be hard for it to happen because you don't have somebody in charge. You don't have that national czar, that national commission that's saying there's rules for everybody. At a minimum, the state athletic commission should demand um, either VADA or USADA testing. And VADA is the voluntary anti-doping agency run by um, Margaret Goodman. And uh, Skip Skip Hamansky is on that board. And those guys basically for higher drug testing uh, program and USADA is funded by the U.S. government, um, or it's a U.S. government entity, I believe. Um, and VADA only covers combat sports, so they'll come in. So if you're promoting a, an event, you would hire VADA to come in and do voluntary testing, but during the during the um, once the fight's announced. But I and I think there are some fighters that can voluntarily get into the VADA pool, so they're tested all the time and they get like a biological passport to see if there's any discrepancies in their blood cell count, etc. But um, there's not enough uniformity across all these different anti-doping agents. Yeah, exactly right. And I don't know who is best suited. I mean, obviously the promoter is trying to maximize profits on the fight, right? So it's kind of like no, no, forget all that. You, yeah. you need an entity which we don't have, you need a czar, you need a national head, uh, you know, a national body to incorporate these rules, to come in and say, I'm going to take charge of the Wild West here. Because boxing, even though we're in the year, you know, that we're in, in uh, 2000, in the century that we're in, the time we're in, uh, it's still the Wild West, unfortunately, in a lot of ways. It, it it really is. Yeah. Uh, that that there was no sheriff in town. And like I said, I I don't think you even get tested until you're in these big events. I could be wrong, so if I am, I apologize. But like, I don't think these smaller cards and prospects, ten and oh, five and three, whatever. I don't even think they're being tested. I could be wrong, but so I don't. Think- no, no, you're not wrong. And so it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. As you're being built up for 20 fights, right? Because yep. most people have about 20 at least until they get to a world title or until they get to that significant place. So it's okay to have those steroids flowing through your blood veins for 20 fights where you're going out there and you're annihilating guys with illegal substance in your vein for 20 fights and doing damage and just wrecking havoc all over the place, leaving bodies, you know, falling all over the place to get to 20 and 0. And then once you get there, oh, be careful. Now, now we'll test you. Yeah. What about all that? Yeah. What about that? What about that path to destruction? Yeah. Well... So Big Baby is out, and we've got Andy Ruiz stepping in against uh, Anthony Joshua. See body on Andy Ruiz. Oh, poor kid. I, I don't understand. I mean, you're a professional kid. athlete. He's going to get a lot of money to uh, fight. But I mean, He's not a poor kid. He's not a poor kid. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand. I mean, you're going to take your shirt off in front of millions of people. Maybe I'm too vain. Like, do some sit-ups. Like, there's two things. If tone it down knew, the if diet. If you never knew Ruiz, right? We're going to do a little thing here. Yeah. If you never knew Andy Ruiz, what are the two things that you could be sure that he has never done two things <laughs> he has never gone and visited a salad bar right 
And he's never done steroids. <laughs> I don't know. Looking at Big Baby, it's hard well, to say yeah, now. Yeah, well, that's true. But this was a this is a little more. Oh, this is. Uh, and listen, the fight plan doesn't have to change yeah. because if you'll find Big Baby. You probably want to go put water in the basement, go yeah. downstairs to the soft body. Yeah, you still want to do that with Ruiz. That yeah. hasn't changed. Yeah, yeah. You know they have a comparable opponent, uh, Joseph Parker. Yeah, you know who's a, a top. Top tier guy, you know Joshua won a twelve round decision with him, and Ruiz lost a twelve round yeah. decision to him. But at least he showed uh, the ability to be to fight at that level. Yeah, you know Miller hadn't really been tested with that kind of opponent yet. You know he was undefeated, uh, which Ruiz is not. But Miller had never been tested. I don't think with as good an opponent or high level as opponent as Parker. Yeah. So at least you no, that's shows fair. that he right. It yeah, is yeah. fair. And so we we like to be fair here. We're we're knock the crap out of you, uh, you know. But then two minutes later, we'll we'll give you your due, uh, if you have your due coming, you yeah. know. And I think that's the way it's supposed to be. And one other thing to point out about that fight that's interesting with with the doping angle is they offered the fight to allegedly to uh, Luis Ortiz, and he claims he's turning it down because of money. He's forty years old. He's already lost one title shot. He's going to get a title shot, and he claims it's for money. But with accepting that fight, he also goes into the VADA testing pool. So do you think that he turned down the money, or he didn't want to get tested positive again? How much, did he, how much again? did he get off? It, it's three to five million? No, no, five million, I believe. Yeah. And then I believe it went up to seven. Yeah. I believe a second offer came in seven. So ask me that question again. If if the Teddy if the number was zero and he had a chance to fight for the title, yeah. guess what the next fight would be for us? A lot more than so zero. Me, yeah. So so, so why would Ortiz turn that fight down? Let me think. Give, give me a minute. <laughs> a guy who's been tested who's tested positive, I think twice before. Once cost him a world he's title. Taking five minutes. Forty years old. As far as we know, he doesn't have any Swiss bank accounts, right? Yep. Right. Um, He's dirty! <laughs> Again. <laughs> Do we need Vada to tell us that? I don't think so. I don't think so. What a shame. I mean, I mean come on, dude. He didn't even have a fight on the calendar and he's dirty. I, I'm going to assume that he's dirty and that's why he didn't take it. Because like I said, even if the fight was for a dollar, you'd be like, a shot at the heavyweight title at this age? Give it to me. I'm one punch away. He almost had it. He had Wilder hurt and I thought he was going to win. And he and he he passed. Um, so now we got Andy Ruiz. But before we wrap up, there's one other heavyweight I want to talk to you about, and that's um, unfortunately his fight just got postponed. But um, Usyk, the cruiserweight unified cruiserweight um, champion, also from Ukraine, part of the uh, assassins from the Ukraine, along with uh, Alex Vosdik and uh, Vasily Lomachenko. Usyk's uh, moving up to heavyweight, and he was scheduled to fight on um, May 25th against Carlos Takam. And um, I guess he just tore his bicep yesterday, and that fight's going to be postponed. But I'm curious to hear what you think about um, Usyk moving up. Now, obviously, he'll be a smaller heavyweight, but super athletic guy and looks to be um, looks to be unstoppable. He's a winner. He's an Olympic champion. He's got plenty of amateur fights. He's got the pedigree. He's got the confidence. He's got the success. Uh, undefeated cruiserweight champion. Uh, this is a guy who is around nothing but winning. You just touched on it. He's from the Ukraine. He's in a stable with three champions altogether. Him, Vozik, the light heavyweight champion, 
and uh, Lomachenko. Some people think it's the best fighter in the world, and and then Usyk. Uh, so he comes from a winning place. He he can. Not everyone can move up. He's moving up not from light heavyweight. It's already been done. Michael Spinks did it. Michael Mora did it. They moved up from light heavyweight to heavyweight. It, he's moving up from cruiserweight, so he was already bigger. He being used, yeah. so it's not as big a leap. Uh, can he do it? Well, the the heavyweights are bigger now. Mm-hmm. They're big. Yeah, I mean they're big, and uh, so that's number one. So that that's something you got to realize. But I say yeah, he can do it because you have. First of all, you have options. You can pick different spots to go and who to fight to get there, you know, before you get to that place, yeah. which right now is owned by either Wilder or by Joshua. But also, he got legs, man. Yeah. He got legs, man. You know, you remember the great uh, comedian, God bless him, he's gone, but uh, Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. Remember, he, he was fooling around one time. He was fooling around doing some comedy stuff, you know, saying that he was like shadow boxing with either Ali or Frazier, I forget. And and then uh, they went to like act like they're going to throw a punch. And he said, legs don't fail me now. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was funny. Uh, legs don't fail me now. And well, you know, music got legs. And that's a big thing because – not everyone in the heavyweight division anymore has legs. There's no alleys around anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, when you have legs, you have mobility. And when you have mobility, you have elusiveness. And when you have elusiveness, you have the ability to negate what the bigger guy has, which yeah. is power, yeah. which is size. You can keep more balance. You have something called strategy, intellect, uh, the ability to even the playing field. That's what boxing's all about, baby. That somebody can come in there that's smaller, not as strong, you know, not as powerful. And they can even the playing field with other things. And they can become champions. And that's what the sport provides. And the opportunity to do that, to pull off the upset, you know, to, to make everything right, to make everything fair on one night. If you're willing to face what you got to face and prepared to do the job, you can make everything right on one given night. <laughs> so Usyk has the possibilities more so than a lot of guys would because everything I just said, he's an Olympian, he's a gold medalist, you know, he's been a winner his whole life. He played youth soccer. That's how he developed those good legs, you know. And uh, he's a guy that he's been not just overpowering cruiserweights, he's been outsmarting them. Mm. And so that's been practiced. He need that practice to go and out, outsmart the bigger guys in heavyweight division. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's still be a tall order when you talk about how big the guys are now. They're huge. But, Wilder but, and Joshua, yeah, Fury. But, but, again, Wilder is very crude. He's mostly all right hand. You know what I mean? And, uh, Joshua, he's not exactly twinkle toes in there, you know, with the quickest feet in the world, you know. And so you got a guy like Yusick, uh it's interesting. Yeah. He's got a, he 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 fits in where he can have a shot. He fits in and and the guy that put him in with uh, it's all for now uh to come. Yeah. You know, a guy that Obviously, that was just a test of waters. I mean, yeah. a strong physical guy to come. I mean, a legitimate guy, strong, strong, 
guy, but he's been stopped by Joshua. He's been stopped by Pivetkin. He got stopped by someone else. But but he's a guy who brings it. He's a guy who's powerful. Uh, he's a guy who's strong. But he's also a guy that has slow feet and a guy that's a little crude and wide with his punches where Yusik can start to practice in his first heavyweight fight what he's going to need in the later heavyweight fights yeah. to outspeed him, mm-hmm. to outsmart him, to outquick him. Yeah, that'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see him fight someone like Tyson Fury, who's like, I think, 6'9", 250. I mean, Tyson Fury is humongous. <laughs> He's a huge person. So seeing him in there with Wilder, it's just Wilder had those skinny, has those skinny, skinny legs. But they were two big, big guys change, exchanging blows. That was... um. Such a shame that we're not going to get to see that. You know, one who's next. my favorite? I'll just uh, capture a moment by saying it. One of my favorite. There's there's a lot of uh, suspects out there in the heavyweight division. Right? Yeah, is yeah, that fair? Yeah, a lot of Very. suspects. Out. But one of my guys out there that my favorite is Dylan White. Yeah, Dylan White has earned the right to get a shot again, and he will. But you know, he's got one loss. Uh, they put him in a little too soon with Joshua. But he's a strong guy. He's matured. He's improved. He's gotten better. Uh, he's fun to watch. He, he's got a big win against Shisora. Uh I like him. I yeah. like him. He's he's my favorite out of the other guys. Yeah, you know, so to speak. Um, there's an interesting guy out there too called Joe Joyce, mm-hmm. silver medalist from uh, from Britain. Yep. And I uh, I think I don't know. I think he's like 9-0 and or 8-0 and with 8 knockouts, 9-0 and with 9 knockouts, whatever he is. Obviously, he hasn't been tested yet. But silver medalist, interesting. Big guy. I think he's like 260 or something. Uh, big guy. They're going to move him. He, you know, even though he's got nine fights, you know they're going to start uh, moving his name too. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, well, that's all we got for this week. You got anything you want to add before we wrap things up? Just want to uh, go and find a good salad. Uh, since we were talking about, I, I'm starting to feel like maybe I should take some of my own advice <laughs> and find a salad bar somewhere. <laughs> and no, I think it's always fun talking to the people and being with you to talk to them. And appreciate you guys. Yeah, thanks for everyone for tuning in, and uh, please keep the reviews and comments coming. Appreciate you guys. And be uh, sensitive. <laughs> he really is a good guy. He's he's sensitive. <laughs> we'll we'll leave it there for today, and I uh, look forward to being with you guys again soon. Take care. Bye.